0: hello hello and welcome to the disney vault cast the show that examines every single movie in the disney vault this week we're awakening after 300 years to talk about the 1993 film hocus pocus I'm your host, Aiden Simons, and I would make a joke about lighting the black flame candle, but my parents listen to this show, and this is part of our Halloween October spooktacular, where each you can talk about a different Halloween, either explicitly Halloween or Halloween-esque movie, but of course this one, a film that is quite literally about Halloween, even though it didn't release on Halloween, but before we get too much into that... Um, we do have a returning guest, our first ever guest, all the way back from May. It is, once again, Amber Mori. Hello.
1: Hello. I am so excited to talk about a little Halloween, just as fall is rolling in.
0: I know, I know, I know. As we're recording, we are not quite in fall yet, but by the time you listen to this, we'll be right in the middle of it. We'll be right in the thick of spooky season as some, and by some I mean me, call it. A film that has a very interesting history and very interesting trajectory, honestly, kind of more interesting in some ways than the film itself. A film that kind of went from an utter failure to now one of the most like cliche halloween movies every year and so like i mean just going off a little bit why did you decide to pick hocus pocus to talk about
1: okay so since uh i don't know we're talking about the age that it was released right it was released in the early 90s and just to age age and i a little bit we are 90s babies so uh, it's just something that I feel like we've had throughout our childhood. Yeah. I mean, so Hocus Pocus has just been a really big part of my life. And, uh, I mean, fall is my absolute favorite season. So, uh, I mean, Aiden and I are both from the East coast where, especially the Northeast, where all the fall foliage and everything, like it's a very special time, um, things kind of quiet down, down a little bit and, uh, Yeah, I mean, Hocus Pocus is just such a classic Halloween movie, in my opinion. Maybe it wasn't always, but um, from my personal history, I do spend a lot of time thinking about Halloween and spooky season and the fall and everything.
0: Oh, no, I'm right there with you. Like, I am a very seasonally-minded person. Like, I very much, it's like, in the summer, I'm all about the summer and, like, the white claws, but, like, once fall hits, I'm like, all in on Halloween. Like I am in the middle of making my Halloween playlist on Spotify, even though like it's a little earlier than I usually start my Halloween celebrations, which is usually September. I was very nice to get into the Halloween mindset. And so, I mean, you kind of talked about it, but like, do you have any specific memories about your history with Hocus Pocus? Like how you first started watching it? I know like they just aired it constantly on like Disney Channel and stuff, but you have any specific memories of it?
1: Yeah, I mean, so you just brought up the fact that it was always on Disney Channel, and uh, I just remember there was always, like, a list of movies that they would play right around Halloween, so, um, I mean, I think Disney has two months where they do that, so, like, there was, like, Spooktober, so they would spend, like, the whole month of October, essentially, just, like, playing these Halloween movies, like, Halloween Town and Hocus Pocus, Um, And then, like, December, obviously, they show all, like, the Christmas movies, but I remember, um, I don't know if it's exact year or anything like that, but kind of, like, throughout my uh, probably, like, elementary, middle school years, I remember watching it on the Disney channel every single Halloween, Um, and if not Halloween, just kind of generally October.
0: Yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember, like, it always, obviously, yeah, so it came out a few years before we were born, but I just remember it always being a constant presence on like, whether it was like the 13 days of Halloween or whatever Disney mm-hmm. channel called their Halloween programming that year. And I remember like not really liking it at first when it was on, like I was walking, I was like, I'm kind of bored with it. But like the more it went on, I don't know if it was just like Stockholm syndrome or like you <laughs> they just show it to me so much. I start to like it or if I actually started enjoying it, you know, you kind of the thing is like. As you get older your taste both gets more refined and also less refined. You're like I like what I like. I don't even care if it's not good. I can still like it. And so I don't know, the, I just watched that time and watched it and I enjoyed it and now it is I usually only watch it once every year just because there's so many different Halloween media I like to watch and consume in during October, but it has become a yearly staple. Of my Halloween viewing because I do I basically spend all of October watching different like Halloween or spooky or horror media because I go all in.
1: Yeah same here I mean it's essentially like I've showed it to so many friends at this point over the last probably like five or six years meeting people through college um, and grad school and stuff like that.
0: So, to go into the history of this, I'm um, not as in depth of history as we've gotten from other films, probably because for a long time it was a very lower profile movie. But the idea of Hocus Pocus started with producer David Krishner. And he apparently got the idea after seeing a black cat while out with his daughter. And then, you know, black cats are very common Halloween imagery and just kind of superstitious imagery in general. And he actually came up with the idea of the cat being a boy that was transformed into a cat by witches and, obviously, that is what happens in the movie and it was told to his daughter as a bedtime story and Krishner is a producer who does have prior experience in the horror genre. um, mainly being a producer on the child's play franchise or also known as the Chucky franchise and he was also deeply involved with the animated film an American tale if you remember that movie about the uh, immigrant mice and that will be important later i promise we'll just you know put a pin in that specific thing um but the script for hocus pocus was initially written by mick garris and the script was bought by disney in 1984 which as we've talked about quite a few times even on like the Little Mermaid episode that we did together. The 80s was an interesting time for Disney, um, kind of a transitional period for the studio and kind of a floundering period for the studio. Going back to Mick Garris specifically, he is a writer and director who also frequently um, worked in the horror genre. He directed films like Stephen King's Sleepwalkers and was a writer on films like The Fly 2. And he also wrote some episodes of the Steven Spielberg TV series, Amazing Stories, which again, we will circle back to um, because also American Tale is a Steven Spielberg joint. And something interesting about this movie is that when the script was first being written, it was envisioned as a darker and scarier film than the one we ultimately got, which is Um, Kind of some horror elements, but much more of a comedy than anything. And uh, originally with the working title Disney's Halloween House, um, the three witches were still the main antagonists. But in this movie, all of the lead characters were 12 year olds, which kind of gives it more of like a darker vibe, I feel like, because, you know, when children are in peril, it makes it a little more darker and something very in line with the works of director Steven Spielberg. Yeah, like I said, we are going back to Steven Spielberg. Um, He had a very real chance of being involved with this project. He was a fan of the script and was interested in potentially working on it. However, Disney already had the rights to the script. So Disney was already locked into it. And because of that, once Spielberg found out that Disney was Um, working on it. Since he saw Disney as competition, he refused to co-produce the project. And of course Amblin, which is Steven Spielberg's production company, and Disney would eventually collaborate on Who Framed Roger Rabbit only a few years later. But that also led to a mess of legal problems which we cannot get into right now. And. This film, like, I mean, so many films in Hollywood stalled many times before entering production. And there were so many rewrites, various rewrites at different points in production. And through those rewrites, the film gradually transformed into a dark, slightly scary film into one that was much more comedic, which kind of probably makes it fit more in line with the ultimate Disney brand. I mean, in the 80s, we did get actually a few horror films from Disney like Something Wicked This Way Comes, Watcher in the Woods, but obviously, I mean I say it every time, Disney has a specific image and brand and you can't stray too far from that image when you're making a movie under the Disney umbrella. A major change was that they aged up two of the protagonists up to teenagers, which obviously makes it more mature and also allows them to kind of react more maturely even though they like kind of don't at some points, but something or other was holding it back from being put into production until Bette Midler got her hands on the script and expressed interest. And that really caused the project to gain traction. But, you know, we'll circle back to Bette Midler in a little bit because she is a very important part of this film.
1: I hope we go back because I have so many things to say about her.
0: Oh, we will. (laughs) Don't worry. She is, she may be the main villain of this movie, but she is in many ways, the main character of this joint. (laughs)
1: exactly
0: with the film in production it eventually began filming with director kenny ortega who started off as a choreographer with films like xanadu pretty in pink dirty dancing and already had a prior history with disney uh, making his directorial debut with the musical film newsies also a box office bomb and of course he would continue to work for disney Directing both the high school musical and Descendants series for Disney Channel. So clearly, he is someone who has a specific, you know, vibe and brand. And, you know, obviously, it's not for everyone. Though the film does take place in Salem, Massachusetts, most of the film wasn't shot there. Instead, it was being shot on sound stages in Burbank, especially in like the cemetery graveyard scene I was like oh this does not look like a real cemetery at all like this really looks like a sound stage but you know it kind of adds to like the surreal quality to this film that it already has
1: did they do any of like the kind of like tracking shots or anything like that in Salem streets like because I feel like some of those houses looked more like the east coast but I don't know
0: I mean i got to imagine i mean i i don't know for sure yeah i i don't know exactly what they filmed in salem but i gotta imagine at least some of those were um i mean obviously who knows because so many things set in the east coast i actually film in la but i gotta imagine at least some of them were but again i do not know for sure and so now i mean kind of a quick light history but now we're going into the real like me of this, and the cast member, starting off, of course, with Bette Midler as Winifred Sanderson, and as we said earlier, her interest in the script pretty much saved the project, and by this point, Midler was a Disney regular, appearing in many of the company's films, including Oliver and Company, Beaches, and the first R-rated film released by Disney down and out in Beverly Hills. Um, apparently, according to Krishner, the role was originally written for legendary actor Cloris Leachman um, who once they saw her in Young Frankenstein they envisioned her in the role obviously it didn't work out for one way or another but um, Midler has gone on record saying she loves this role it's one of her favorite roles she's ever done and even dressed up as her during her 2015 tour for perform I put a spell on you so clearly this is a project that means a lot to her and that's kind of like a common sentiment among the cast is that they love this film and they loved working on it. And I know you wanted to like say some things about Bette Midler. So if you want to, you can have the stage.
1: Um, I don't know if I have anything particularly specific, but I just think that Bette Midler was just such a perfect cast for this exact role. I don't know if like there was anything in her history that set her up for this. Like I understand that she had already been Um, you know kind of a regular in Disney but I think that uh, just her personality and like obviously she has a lot of makeup on but she has that really big personality that it like really easily comes out as Winifred and it's just I don't know I think that she I I wouldn't have liked to see anyone else in this role but maybe that's just because that's who I've only ever thought of as Winifred. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah I mean maybe that kind of before working as an actor she was a film, she was a singer and a musician so like maybe that kind of had something to do with it um you know she has a performance background but yeah um I kind of have like a, I added like a hole in the talking voice section just about like the absolutely unhinged performances of this cast especially with the witches but if we want to go into that a little bit later like a little yeah later. maybe
1: a little bit later because i do have something about um cat Ka- i don't know how to pronounce your last kathy name jimmy jimmy so yes. kathy and jimmy when she when they are all like picking up the brooms because like at the end they have to ride off on yeah. something and she has that vacuum and like the face that she makes is just I mean I don't particularly like Sarah Jessica Parker that much but I love Bette Midler in <laughs> Kathy and Jimmy I think that they were perfect for the two roles that they were playing
0: yeah, we can kind of go into like the cast like in their performances a little later because I feel like it, there's just, there's a lot there. Um, but yeah, they clearly are just having fun. And I just, there's always something that, you know, to appreciate about just performers that are just like having fun in their role. You can clearly tell that they're all like having a blast. Um, yeah, but yeah, I
1: agree.
0: speaking of Kathy and Jimmy, uh, she plays Mary Sanderson, also a Disney vet starring in Sister Act from the year prior And also, previously mentioned, Sarah Jessica Parker as Sarah Sanderson, only a few years before her breakout role in Sex and the City, uh, mainly known as a stage actor at this time, very um, prominent stage actor, but it would be a few years before she would really like break through in the mainstream and just kind of quick hits of the rest of the cast. Um, Omri Katz as Max, a role that was originally offered to Leonardo DiCaprio, though he declined to join What's Eating Gilbert Grape, which, I mean, in hindsight, probably a good career move for him. Thor Birch as Danny and Vanessa Shaw as Allison. And so the film finally was coming together, finally was, after years of like development, was finally filming and finally a finished product. And Hocus Pocus released in theaters on July 16th, 1993. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And they released a Halloween movie in July. Ostensibly, I'm assuming to avoid cannibalizing Disney's other 1993 Halloween release, The Nightmare Before Christmas.
1: What? The Nightmare Before Christmas was released the same year as Hocus Pocus? Yeah. What? That's, oh my gosh, two of my favorite movies. That's insane. I had no idea.
0: Yeah, they're both, yeah, it's it's unfortunate for Hocus Pocus because clearly this is not a movie that's made to release in the summer. Uh, it is very much a movie that is supposed to be released in the fall. I mean, maybe like part of their rationale is like, oh, we can release in the summer, then it can be on DVD for the fall time. But I don't know. I mean, we are doing an episode on Nine Before Christmas, a little spoiler and tease if that one doesn't come out first. I don't know how I'm releasing these things. But that movie was a box office hit, so Who's to say if the releases were switched, how that would be? A very, very odd decision. I also didn't put this in the um, outline because I really couldn't corroborate it with any other sources, but I did see something that said it was originally envisioned as a Disney Channel movie, but once they saw the script, they were like, nah, we're releasing this in theaters. And I don't know if that's true or not. I literally saw it on one webpage only. So I do not know.
1: I definitely think of it much more as like a Disney Channel movie. So mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that it was actually released as like its own film.
0: Yeah, it kind of does have the feel of like a made for TV movie for, for better or worse. I mean, I think the only thing that stops it from feeling like that is like the cast. I mean, not like to say the cast is full of A-listers, but at least with the three witches, they are very much not Disney Channel budget. hmm.
1: Definitely.
0: Unfortunately, at least probably partially due to its summer release, Hocus Pocus failed commercially and critically, making only $44 million at the box office on a $28 million budget, which despite making more money than its budget, isn't great. It also received mediocre reviews by critics, with some bemoaning its hokey script, which it is pretty hokey, but I mean, that's what we kind of love about it. However, despite Um, not being a success commercially, it soon began to find second life on the home video market with DVD and VHS sales introducing the film to a wider audience. But it was through TV where the film really began to find a new life. As we kind of talked about earlier, this film was a constant on Disney Channel. I mean, not so much Disney Channel now, but definitely ABC Family, also now known as Freeform it was a staple in its Halloween lineup. And through those repeated airings, it gradually began to increase in popularity. Um, I mean, it makes sense that's a film they'd wanna air all the time because I mean, it's a film they own. They don't really have to pay much of anything to air it on their channels. Yeah, its popularity, grew so much, in fact, that it is now the cornerstone program on Freeform's 31 Nights of Halloween programming block, which originally was the 13 Nights of Halloween, but I think it was like two or three years ago where they expanded it to 31 Nights of Halloween, and basically, like, at least once a week, they're going to air Hocus Pocus. I think even last year, they did literally did all day Hocus Pocus marathon.
1: They did, which is kind of creepy. Like, it's excessive. There's a point where it's like, okay, I get it, but calm down
0: i know i mean it's still popular i mean its first airing in 2018 which was its 25th anniversary received 8.2 million viewers on freeform its first the first time it aired and they even made a special 25th anniversary celebration that same year they filmed it at uh somewhere in hollywood and they had a bunch of celebrity guests and so like they are all in on hocus pocus and i mean it makes sense because, you know, it. besides Nightmare Before Christmas, it's really Disney's only big Halloween movie. It's, like, the one they got to go all in on. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah. it is kind of crazy to see because, like, now that, like, you know, I mean, we were talking about Spirit Halloween a little earlier, like, before we recorded. But, you know, there's just, like, a whole Hocus Pocus section at Spirit Halloween now with, like, costumes and merch and, like, apparel and like furnishings and you know obviously like things like Hot Topic have a whole Hocus Pocus merch I mean so much merch at Disney parks is Hocus Pocus based and like it it really went from a film that like failed at the box office in all terms to like a film they went all in on it's it's really fascinating it's popularity grew so much in fact that it even received its own stage show in Disney World in 2015 and it was a part of Magic Kingdom's premium Halloween party. I got to see it in like 2017 and they basically bring the witches out. They are revived once again, where they want to create the biggest hocus pocus party and invite all the Disney villains to join in with them. And they obviously sing the songs from the movie. And it's like on the stage of Cinderella Castle. And obviously it's, yeah, it's during the Halloween party. So it's kind of like, because I know you went to the Christmas party, but you've never been to the Halloween party. It's basically like that. Like, it's just, like, after hours, and, like, they have trick-or-treat trails, too. That's so
1: cool. I can't believe that they, like, had this whole other thing. Like, I don't know. I think it's also impressive to just consider how much it's uh, grown in popularity, say, in, like, the last 25 years. I mean, now it's been, um, what, 28 now?
0: Yeah, something like that. God, we're almost <laughs> at the 30th anniversary. Yeah,
1: almost at the 30th anniversary. But um, for like us to, I don't know, I guess for me to find out that it wasn't particularly popular, it makes sense like for it to be released, obviously, in the summer. I wouldn't expect it to do particularly well. But um, I think that maybe if it was released or even like a year later, if like they had waited to release that and then. Um, they would have had like a ninety-three
0: and a ninety-four Halloween movie. Yeah. No, I mean it yeah, it you know, obviously you can't change how it was released, but obviously now it's like a very profitable film. I'm pretty sure like every year it's like number one dvd on amazon during the halloween season so they're definitely making their money on it now um they even re-released it in theaters in october of 2020 and it finished second at the box office behind i think tenant which was like the only new release all of like the middle of last year and received almost two million dollars more and they kind of did that um we talked about when we did the inside out episode during like the height of the covid pandemic they re-released movies and like drive-ins and stuff since obviously they're not going to get new movies and so you know it just shows that like it is a viable property for them now though rumors and rumblings of a sequel have persisted for years with the cast members all being pretty enthusiastic about it nothing really ever gained traction though it did strangely enough get a book sequel Um, I discovered they kind of released this thing where it's like a retelling of the movie in novel form and then it was like half of the movie and then the other half was just like a legit sequel taking place I think 25 years after the movie it's basically just like you know it's the classic sequel of like Max and Allison had a kid and the kid doesn't believe in the witches and so she brings the witches back to life and now she's got to stop them so it's basically just like the same movie um but yeah the weird thing I did not know about that they just it got uh, a whole sequel and book um However, in 2017, it was announced that Disney was developing a remake of Hocus Pocus to air on Freeform with the same screenwriter and producer of the original. Um, but that thing immediately receives backlash, including from Bette Midler herself, who disavowed the project and like, was like, I am not being part of this in any way. Obviously not the best foot to start on when your project gets announced. Um, however, years went by and nothing came of the project. Uh, the project does seem to be dead because finally a sequel, a proper sequel is officially in production with Midler, Jimmy and Parker all signed on and it will be released as a Disney Plus exclusive in 2022. So a year from now we should be watching Hocus Pocus 2 whatever that will be.
1: <laughs> I have no idea what to expect because I mean, we obviously know how this movie ends, right? <laughs> which we're going to talk about next, but.
0: But if, but as you remember, the, the book's eyes did open, which means that there's a chance of them coming back. It's very true. <laughs> yeah, there's no, I don't think there's been any word on like other cast members returning. So it could just be like completely new characters outside of the witches. So we shall see. I mean, I think it's being, I don't know if, I mean, I got to imagine it's filming now or, or at least, finished filming but I don't know
1: I also think it would be kind of fun to like have you know like the original characters like Max and uh uh, Danny to be like adults and like having Uh their kids and like being like oh like telling them the story about how they like saved Halloween you know sort of thing but it's like um I don't know I guess I can only anticipate what might come of it
0: Yeah, I mean, we still have a whole year to wait. So we shall see what happens. But yeah, quite a really turbulent tale for Hocus Pocus going from like, a project that like was just completely decimated to now being one of the most popular Halloween movies every year.
1: I like that you, uh, I mean, you put together all this information. And I like that I found out that it was released in the summer because obviously that kind of like makes up for why it didn't do so well at first. Um but I also it's kind of crazy to think that it might not have happened if like Midler hadn't Mm -hmm. signed on to it, right? So it's like obviously Bet Midler, she's super famous and like she's just such a good actor for for this yeah role. And now you're
0: mine. You can't stop the things I do. I ain't lying. No, <laughs> no! Uh, don't look at him. Been 300 years, right down to the day. Now the witch is back, and there's hell to pay. I stand on you. Good joke. Happy Halloween. Thanks a lot. No man, I'm serious. You got to have me. I'm getting to the Um, I mean yeah going into the film itself I mean speaking of Midler I feel like we really need to talk about just how unhinged all three of them are in this movie like they are like not holding anything back I mean Bette Midler is in full like yeah like completely obvious makeup and like prosthetic teeth Mm -hmm. and like that crazy wig
1: Uh, so the outfits the wigs so it's like I like it because obviously it's it's from the 90s so like it just has like 90s outfits for everyone Mm -hmm. else and obviously like they're like making it as if like they were wearing the clothes that they died in right like back in the um what 1600s yeah and uh it like it it, it, it's all very fitting but it's just so extravagant and Mm -hmm. like (laughs) like their their dresses are huge I can't imagine having to be on that set with all of those layers on.
0: And it's so funny when they're on their brooms, just like all those layers, just like flying everywhere.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I want to know like exactly what the green screen process was there, because I feel like it would be pretty funny to see their entire contraption set
0: up. My guess, if I did just ponder i guess it's probably like the broom is on wires and they're lowering it down where like a wind machine is just like blowing on them
1: yeah that probably makes sense that's can we also talk about um the horrible horrible british accent (laughs) i mean i'm sorry i can't get over how horrible that british accent is Um, i mean not theirs i'm talking about um i'm
0: thackeray
1: yeah, Thackeray banks.
0: Yeah, it's it's a weird it the whole character is so weird to me like I I didn't even register that it was supposed to be a british accent until like just now.
1: What did you think he was how do you think he was supposed to be talking?
0: I was just I didn't even like pay attention. I was just like not even thinking about the accent. I'm like it's just, you know, it's just old-timey speak.
1: <laughs> it's all it's that 1600 speak. Yeah. Um, I guess it isn't so sweet I mean it's just supposed to be like I a, mean a UK kind of accent yeah. but like in the 1600s I mean it
0: is sale it is Massachusetts which which was a British colony so like I'm assuming at that point they would have British accents yeah now I, I was like I never registered as British but obviously it is British but yeah no it's not great it's like get away from you know that that was like my weird like <laughs> Irish, <was> Irish accent <laughs> It's I can't like, even say I, it it's like I don't, you I don't foul have any, beasts
1: yeah you foul beasts it's like why are you trying so hard you're American
0: I mean after 300 years you think is like especially being around like American well I guess he's like not really around American people but like you think after that amount of time his accent would kind of soften
1: yeah 300 years later I don't think it would be that harsh um also we're talking about like Bette Midler and I mean not just specifically Bette Midler but all of the witches' makeup but the red queen makeup on Bette Midler I love her lips so much
0: <laughs> it's so like funny like because I like obviously it's there like the whole movie but it's so prominent on her like when she's an old lady at the beginning yeah like,
1: I said the same thing I said that old makeup <laughs>
0: And I'm like, yeah. is this just, like, a permanent fixture of her face? Like, is that just how her face is?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea.
0: Oh no, it's gosh. so funny because none, none of them look like they're from that time period. Like, the, even in them. that time period.
1: Exactly. And, like, especially Sarah Jessica Parker, like, she just has such, like a 90s face and I'm just like you no you do not belong in the 1600s
0: yeah like her wavy bleach blonde hair and like the course I mean I guess the the corset is kind of like in period but like not the way she's wearing it
1: um also they go so when they see uh for the first time they go ah a boy and like I don't know why but that line made me crack up like I could not stop laughing I was like why is that so funny I, I don't know it, if you
0: <laughs> no no it's like I mean it's so funny to be that like um Sarah's main character tra- I hate how you hate how like Sarah Jessica Parker's character is just named Sarah it makes it really weird to talk about but like her like defining character trait well one is that she's dumb but they're they're all kind of dumb but like Mm -hmm. her main character is is that she's just horny like that is her like character trait
1: (laughs) yeah like her sitting on the bus uh, (laughs) bus driver's lap the entire time oh gosh
0: and then like when she's like slow dancing with the quote-unquote devil
1: yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Can we talk about that? So we were kind of talking about that before we started recording, but can we go into like the issues that we have with this movie? Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's some weird ones. It's it hasn't aged like great in some respects. Like both, yeah, both the whole um scene with the in the devil's house and like this film's just like obsession with the concept of virginity and like pointing out that Max is a virgin is like Once, sure, it's funny. Like when he lights the candle and it's like it works, surprise. Like that's Mm -hmm. funny. But then the fact that they keep hammering it out at like any opportunity they get is like Yeah. Weird.
1: I I think that uh this is maybe just like a nineties movie thing because I feel like They pick like one or two things to just continuously joke about the entire time and like they just go so deep into it that it seems excessive after a while it's like oh he's a virgin and let's literally never let the audience forget that and it's Mm -hmm. like okay I get it and like there's like even the time where um they like go and it's like the pretend cop and he's like he's like trying to explain he's like i'm a virgin i lit this candle and he's like the guy's like you're a virgin he's like yeah that's not the point point.'" and it's like okay but you didn't have to bring that up like i yeah don't know it's just it's,
0: it's very 90s humor
1: yes very and 90s. like
0: these kids are like what like did they give an age is i like
1: probably like 13 i think like i think they're in like seventh or eighth well i right? think danny's like what, oh are they 12? in high school?
0: Yeah, they're in high school because they're teenage. I they gotta be what, like 16, maybe? Like
1: maybe sixteen. I don't know.
0: They don't really read as 15 year olds, like maybe 16, maybe 17, but I'm still like
1: Really? You think they are that old? I feel
0: like I'm, they didn't seem that old. Let me do the thing, but like even so, like I don't know. I feel like
1: you think Danny's 12? I thought Is that's
0: she? I thought that's what they no said.
1: Idea. I thought Hold she on. was like
0: okay max according to the disney wiki which i'm on right now max is a teenager approximately 17 years old so i
1: forgot what 17 year olds look like i
0: mean to be fair it's been over
1: uh eight years
0: (laughs) yeah yeah so but yeah and i'm like yeah he's in high school and he's a virgin like wow
1: (laughs) yeah why is that such a weird thing that's so normal are you kidding me i I that's such an annoying thing of like oh yeah your virginity like I can't believe you're still a virgin you're 17 like that that's such a normal age to like still be a virgin
0: and it's still and it feels weird coming from like a Disney movie of all things the fact that like they repeatedly have like virginity jokes when like basically that's all of their like animated characters
1: exactly every single like animated princess is virgin it's and that's like their virtue right like yeah so excessive they're always talking about that and it's yeah and like the the disney princesses are similar age like 16 17 18 it's like gosh because i think it's partially because he's a boy so there's always that kind of like distinction between you know like girl's virtue and like
0: yeah guys need to whatever yeah no the the, the double standard is present and I mean I totally know that in the in Hocus Pocus 2 they're gonna have some sort of like one-off virginity joke I already know it so just we need to brace ourselves for that and yeah and also going back to the earlier point yeah the whole um scene of them and like who they think is the devil in his house is just I mean it's weird it has weird vibes and also it goes on for way too long
1: it goes on for an excessive amount of time i wrote that i was like why is the scene continuing because like he they like see him outside of his house right like because they're trick-or-treating um and then like they go inside and his wife is not dressed like no. and she's like ready to go to bed she has curlers in her hair and stuff and she's like I don't know she's just like questioning them she's like you need to make these women leave I was like this is the only sensible person in this entire scene yeah (laughs) it was so creepy I just was like is it really necessary for them to call a guy that's playing the devil a master I get it but it's just super creepy
0: yeah it's also like it's weird and also something we'd never see today of like them explicitly laying out that oh yeah these witches they got their powers from satan like i mean obviously they do cuz that's like the whole like mythology of witches is that they get their power from the devil but it's very weird for them to just like lay it out there for us in a pg rated disney movie
1: yeah i feel like some of these jokes would not be considered pg if they were released now that's mm-hmm. all
0: It makes me wonder like when um, the Hocus Pocus 2 comes out, because obviously Disney now is like very much okay with releasing PG-13 movies. So I wonder like if they would go for that PG-13 rating when they release it or if they're going to go through PG and make it more family friendly, which I feel like won't work because I mean, the whole audience for this movie is like younger millennials or older Gen Z that's who this movie is going to be targeting so i want i feel like they're probably going to do a pg-13 and kind of go more into that quote-unquote adult humor Uh,
1: i think it'll be interesting to see for sure Um, and the last thing i just had i wanted to talk about was when um max finally says it's all just a bunch of hocus pocus and then lights the candle and i was like I love that. It's, it's so good. I mean, I know that, like, also, like, there's one point where, uh, you know, Ben Edler's character also says, mm-hmm. a lot of hocus pocus, or I don't remember the exact It's all quote. just a bunch
0: of hocus pocus. He says the
1: same thing, and I was like, oh, it's so good. Like, they don't overuse the title of the movie. I think they use it the perfect amount.
0: Yeah, like, when you hear the, I mean, when you see the title of the movie, like, it makes sense, because, like, yeah, Hocus Pocus is, like, shorthand for, like, magic things. It's, like, ooh, Hocus Pocus, and then, but then, yeah, when he, like, says it, it's all just a bunch of Hocus Pocus, and, like, that is, like, obviously a trailer line, if I've ever seen one, yeah. and, and then, yeah, I, I found it so funny when, like, and the way she, like, says it, it's, like, oh, it's all just a bunch of Hocus Pocus, and, like, yeah, now that's, like, the tagline of the movie. Exactly. It's, It's such a dumb title for this movie, but like it also completely works.
1: Yeah, so I know that it's already in your notes, but I think that we should definitely start talking about the discussion point of the Halloween atmosphere because they had to have some sort of establishing shot on the East Coast because there were some really beautiful fall foliage shots. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is just... The epitome of what reminds me of home in the fall and you know like all the pumpkins on the streets and all of like the fallen leaves associated with autumn and halloween
0: no and like watching like that um whole scene where um like when outside of the school uh, when like after Max's first day where like there's just like the leaves are all the trees are all orange and like there are leaves all over the floor like it looks almost too perfect of an autumn but it like it's just like the perfect like fall vibe it's like the fall vibes that you want out of a like Halloween movie like this and like having it set on the east coast I mean like you I mean, most like Halloween centric media is set on like the East Coast because you get those fall trees and fall leaves. And I feel like, yeah, like it obviously you can get stuff set in like the West Coast in California and sometimes the Pacific Northwest. But like there's something about the Northeast that very much just has the Halloween feel of it during the fall.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I think that people, when they think about fall, they think about the Northeast fall. Um, And something that I feel like is very fortunate for you and I is that we both lived on the East Coast and the West Coast now. uh, And we've experienced Halloween kind of in like different uh, environments. Um, And you also experienced Halloween down in Florida. So Uh I think you just had like a really nice range of seeing what different areas of the U.S. look like during fall. Yeah. Um, So it's
0: really cool. No, yeah. Obviously, yeah. Obviously, I am from the Northeast. So, like, to me, Halloween is very much like... It doesn't feel quite like Halloween if there's not, like, red and orange leaves falling down and, like, crunchy leaves you're walking out and, like, the weather is a little more crisp. Even though in California it does get kind of mild temperatures, it's still not, like, the same. And, yeah. And even though, like, there is a lot i mean honestly i feel like it's ar- ironically like southern california la area does go harder on halloween just in general in terms of like entertainment than the northeast does but that kind of makes sense because duh it's la so it's weird because, like the halloween like aesthetic isn't there for me in um here in california but the halloween like atmosphere definitely is which is like really cool. Um, But yeah, it's it's like, I feel like it's hard to do something that's like explicitly Halloween-y if you don't have the like standard fall look.
1: Yeah, I I 100% agree with that. And I think that no matter where you grew up in the US, you do associate that Halloween feel with like pumpkins and apples and fallen leaves and stuff like that. So um, it's kind of interesting that you and I both grew up in that and so it's just really easy for us to totally understand why these Halloween films are set where they are
0: mm-hmm. and like even just like dumb things like obviously there are cemeteries and graveyards in other parts of the world but cemeteries just don't feel the same when they're not like a bunch of trees towering over you know not any trees either like feel like they're in like like a small patch of forest
1: those like really big maple leaves or maple trees those um I mean like really big pines. I mean, uh-huh. think about like all the really huge uh, green trees. Children, I'll take-
0: yeah no this is gonna sounds so weird to me but like cemeteries are like some of my favorite places like my favorite halloween settings like i just find like as morbid as it is i just think scenes set in graveyards are so like quintessential halloween like if you have like i mean i've talked um i mean surprise surprise my favorite type of halloween media is more of like the spooky children's halloween media even though i love like horror films so much um I do love the nostalgic feeling children's Halloween media like hocus pocus and so cemeteries very much for me are like places of spooky adventures and not like oh my god you're gonna get like possessed by a ghost and like the fact that they have multiple scenes set in a cemetery I'm like yes perfect
1: yeah and we were talking about this I don't know if we talked about this while we were recording but um we were talking about how the uh the, the graveyards that they have are just such so clearly set. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) I mean, you and I, like we, there's, I mean, there's loads of super old cemeteries on the East coast just because we were obviously like, we were the union before Mm -hmm. the entire United States existed. So like even our hometown is like older than the entire country. So like we have graves that are older than 1770s kind of thing. And, uh, it's just such an obvious thing to see, like, the difference between a real East Coast cemetery and what they think an East Coast cemetery looks yeah. like.
0: <laughs> and, like, it kind of reminded me, like, I completely forgot that, like, yeah, Max is from the West Coast, like, he is, like, from LA specifically, so it's kind of funny to, like, kind of the opposite of our experiences. I mean, no, I know you're now back on the East Coast, but even so, like, you're in the Southern part of the East Coast, so it's still not even the same, Um, but... It's like very funny, the opposite of our experience, like going from Southern California to going to the East Coast in like, I mean, obviously, Salem, Massachusetts is like the Halloween town and not 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 the Halloween town, but, you know, the Halloween town.
1: (laughs) Exactly. It's just the epitome of what you think of when you think about like a Halloween area I guess or town or city sort of thing
0: and I know like I know Salem goes pretty hard on Halloween but like also at the same time I I mean the fact that like how serious everyone in this town takes Halloween I find so funny like clearly in like this is like fiction way and like the fact that like the class is a whole lesson dedicated on the urban legend of the sanderson sisters like i wish i got that in high school like i would be all over that the fact that like this town like everyone in this town is like obsessed with halloween the town has so many people like they have enough people to have t- at least two full parties on halloween yeah. night just filled <laughs> with p- adults and like they have children running around everywhere on halloween <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, you can like just think about it as being such like a film setting because even you and I like used to go trick-or-treating in like our small town of Fonda. And like, you think about the like 12 houses that you Mm -hmm. hit. It's like, this film is like, there's like 50 of them and there's hundreds of children going to all these places. It's Mm -hmm. like, okay, this (laughs) this is not what a small town in the Northeast looks like at all.
0: But at the same time, you know, we want We want, want that little escapism. We don't want the, we want the break from reality. And it's just, I mean, it is fun. I mean, I love like trick-or-treating scenes as well. Like I love anything that's like specifically set on Halloween. Cause I like have a like really cool, I just have this weird fascination with like characters in costumes, in Halloween costumes. So I kind of wish they were all in Halloween costumes for the whole movie, but it's fine. And it's like, also made me nostalgic not that the fact that I miss trick-or-treating necessarily because I haven't gone trick-or-treating in like some time it just made me nostalgic for like Halloween since obviously last Halloween we weren't really able to celebrate Halloween so being able to like actually like watch this Halloween like people like going out and trick-or-treating and going to Halloween parties I was like oh I miss that I also feel like we need to give like I know we kind of already talked about the performances but like I feel like the musical number of Bette Midler performing I Put a Spell on You just kind of needs, like, its own little, like, segment.
1: I I totally agree. And, I mean, that party, first off, oh, I did have something to say about the adults. I said, the adults of this town are an absolute mess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, But I, I love that scene just because, I mean, I like how, how Max is, like, this is it we're gonna get them like we're gonna tell the parents that parents are gonna like be like oh my gosh like we need to to you know like put them in jail or something until they the son or whatever and like um and then she just like puts a spell on the actual yeah. adults, and it's like they're dancing and I, I like how the kids don't realize that the parents aren't home and they're like this is fine <laughs> like
0: I mean you know it's it's Halloween night let the parents have fun we know they're under a spell but you know it's no it's so funny like I mean obviously the parents have to be like idiots because that's just how when you center a story around children like the adults just almost have to be dumb for it to like work and but yeah it's like it's always that cliche it's like no don't your parents aren't gonna believe you like just don't even bother now you're dragging them into it now they're now they're unwilling victims
1: Yeah, that's it. That's it. But um, pulling it back to her performance, I think that Midler just uh, her previous experience with being a performer really shows here. Mm -hmm. So um, obviously she has a wonderful voice and just being able to, I don't know, it's like enchanting to listen to her sing that song. And it's really cool. And I mean, obviously it's supposed to be like crazy and extravagant and absurd and stuff like yeah. that with like the outfits and like the dancing and everything like that but it's mm-hmm. just it's so good even though it might be a little bit kind of cheesy sometimes I love this film
0: <laughs> and like the fact that like she is still able to sing in her Winifred voice is like so like kind of amazing
1: yeah it's very impressive I mean I just think like once again it just brings out the fact that I personally think that she was the perfect actress for this position. Yeah. This character.
0: I feel like, and now like her version of that song is kind of like a Halloween staple, even though it's like, it's not like on Spotify or anything, which is a crime. Like when I put made together my Halloween playlist, I had to get like a bootleg version, a cover version, like in the style of her singing it.
1: Seriously? Yeah. So it's
0: crazy. It's, I mean, I get it. Cause it's literally just a clip, but yeah, it's like kind of like, a shame that, like, there's no official release of it as, like, a single.
1: I wish she had a single of it. I think it would have been awesome.
0: Definitely I know. I, like I said earlier, like, I know she performed it on her tour, like, back in, like, 2015. So, you know, maybe she'll, like, maybe at one Halloween she'll, like, do a little, like, release it as, like, a treat.
1: I did have one other scene that I thought was hilarious, which was when they have the two bully kids in the cage. <laughs>
0: oh yeah and
1: they're force feeding them candy like it's such a dumb fat joke to like the the like one the ice the kid with the ice in the back Mm -hmm. of his head um but I like I hate fat jokes but it was just so funny to me like I don't know why seeing like (laughs) I don't know Sarah Jessica Parker uh and uh uh, Kathy Najimi, I don't it's just like they're like holding candy up to these children it's like how are you force feeding them you can't even reach them I think maybe it was just the absurdity of it all just maybe yeah.
0: maybe it's like also like a Hansel and Gretel thing where like she force feeds Hansel candy so she can like fatten him up to eat them
1: yeah I mean I understand the concept like obviously they were going to use them for whatever I don't really know what the plan (laughs) was but they had a plan for them and uh yeah that scene was like the combination of the 90s jokes that I don't like but also just the absurdity of the film that I think I love so it's like this kind of wishy-washy of like I think it's hilarious but it's also a horrible joke all at the same time.
0: Yeah, this film is like really full of like a bunch of cliche 90s jokes in a really interesting way that like I don't even know how to describe it. And the fact like something a scene I always think about is like when Danny who like I frankly is very annoying in a lot of the in a lot of this movie but like when she's like pestering Max so he can go trick or treating with her, he just walks over to his drum set that's just randomly there. Not unexplained before, and he just starts drumming all of a sudden, and then like it doesn't get touched upon at any other point in the movie. He just has a drum set and just starts drumming. I'm like, was he in a band? Is he in a band now? Is he taking drumming lessons? Like he's only 16. Like, what's the story?
1: Yeah, there's a lot just kind of gets left unexplained. Um, and I agree with you. I don't like Danny that much. Like I think she's supposed to be cute and obviously she she plays a significant role of being like the child that they're going to you know stay young using and stuff like that, but. yeah whatever it's
0: (laughs) yeah and speaking of like scenes that really just are out of nowhere i also want to give a special shout out to the quote-unquote factory death scene where he just gets ran over by the bus in the middle of the movie for no- like not even in the, middle of the movie like we've known him for like what 20 minutes maybe mm-hmm. and then they just like kill him off and it like they just like they start crying and like the sad music starts playing and it's like then just just kidding they just inflate back up and i'm like <laughs> but why we as an audience know that he's immortal like we don't need it like to be shown
1: well he also said like i can't die and the fact that they don't realize he's not going to die this time just was kind of annoying to me because it was like he hasn't died for 300 years you think a bus is going to kill him
0: he's probably gotten ran over by many buses in his life
1: probably carriages and then I don't Mm -hmm. know. What came before buses.
0: Um, Probably carriages, nothing else. Just (laughs) pedestrians.
1: (laughs) Getting ran over by a human. Although I will say
0: the shot of Thackeray with like the impression of the wheel is a very like, (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, you're actually just going to show this to us?
1: Yeah. Also cats don't look like that when they get run over like they don't they're not just flat
0: no but also he's immortal so like you know you can't you can't have his guts go down everywhere
1: i like that's true i just i don't know it, i like the inflating part it's yeah just... <laughs> I can't stop laughing. This movie is
0: so absurd. It's really like, honestly, like this movie is just like pure camp, like from start to finish.
1: It's so campy.
0: And like I said, knowing Kenny Ortega and the films he's directed, like this is unsurprising. Like he very much like traffics in like the world of camp, which I mean, it's very like, it's not for everyone, but you know, it's, I mean, High School Musical I don't know if you've seen the descendants but those movies are a lot to take in.
1: Yeah, they're very campy. <laughs>
0: so it it's fully in on it. And like, you know, I mean, Halloween is probably like the campiest time of the year cuz it's literally just everyone dressing up as something. I mean, and also like the thought is like the Sanderson sisters quite literally are just all like a bunch of drag queens. Like from <laughs> yeah. the outfits to like the heavy makeup. This
1: this even is the wigs.
0: Of- that they wear
1: yeah <laughs> i was gonna say i i like that the two films i've been on this podcast for like the fact that ursula was like based on a drag queen and now mm-hmm. like we have the sanderson sisters who are just such like drag queens yeah I, I love it
0: i mean obviously yeah and i mean count the countless number of people who will be dressing up as the sanderson sisters for their performance of i put a spell on you like at least, um, they're gonna be everyone. I mean, obviously, like, just everyone in general dresses up as the Sanderson sisters. Like, it's such a cliche costume now, but definitely there are going to be many a performance in the bars of that song and that, and that style.
1: I would love to dress up as, like, a drag king and just do like i don't know <laughs> something like that that would be so much fun go See, to like I, hamburger mary's and just like go all out i thought you were gonna
0: say i'd love to dress up as the sanderson sisters <laughs> and i'm like i mean you can do that too you can do that you can do, i mean i'm sure in the dc maryland area there's plenty of places you can go
1: i'm sure i'll find something my
0: good my my curses. <gasps> Sisters, look! Here's the chocolate covered finger of a man named Clark. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. candy. Why would the master give us candy? Because he is not our master. He isn't?
1: He is it? And these are not half goblins. Oh, see? Oh, cool it, man! Okay. Oh!
0: Oh, oh! Weirdos! Weirdos! Sisters! All Hallow's Eve has become a night of frolic oh. where children wear costumes and run Amok, oh, amok, 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 amok. Oh, That is going to be all child. for this week's episode. Thank you so much for coming back again, Amber, for talking all about Hocus Pocus. Is there anything you'd like to plug or say before we wrap up?
1: Uh, All I want to say is it's all just a bunch of hocus pocus now. I mean, I don't have any plugs, but uh, I mean, I'm still a scientist. So if you're really bored and you want to read my thesis, (laughs) it is online. Uh, You know, my name is Amber Mori, Master of Science, MSc. That's my title.
0: Uh,
1: I'm a molecular biologist. So, you know, go go read cool papers, (laughs) science.
0: And Amber also is telling you to get vaccinated.
1: I I am hyping vaccinations. I mean, I'm not a medical professional, but I, I do work on the coronavirus vaccine that is going to likely be used as a booster. So please, now, please, please. <laughs>
0: now FDA approved. I mean, as of recording, by this time you listen to it, it'll be like two months approved.
1: Yeah, the Pfizer vaccine got FDA approved. <laughs>
0: The Pfizer vaccine may be FDA approved, but the Moderna one is Dolly Parton approved, so.
1: Yeah, cho- choose your poison, but just kidding, they're not poison.
0: <laughs> Don't, yeah, we're, we're going to cut that out. We're going to cut that part out. Uh,
1: okay, and then yeah, your plugs.
0: <laughs> yes. Um If you want to follow the show, we are at Disney Vault Cast on Twitter and Instagram. Also TikTok. I'm still figuring out how I want to use TikTok for this show, but stay tuned. Um, You can follow me personally on Twitter at Aiden Simons, uh, on Twitch at Aiden underscore plays games and a TikTok at Aiden underscore makes TikToks. Maybe you'll see a hocus pocus little number on there. We'll see. Um, But yes, thank you so much for listening. Make sure to rate us five star on iTunes because it's the season of giving in like a month. Uh, Yeah, and I will see you next time where we go back into the Disney vault. Bye.